is so appropriate. Um, we are in the midst of a series right now that is really, when you think about it, uh, addressing things that are quite revolutionary in our society. We're talking about the one and others from Scripture and the relationship principles that the Bible teaches us as God's people to practice. And when you really look at them, and as we've um, started to look at some of them, they are revolutionary. They are pretty different. They are not uh, all going along with the messages that we hear in our, uh, our culture today. So that was an appropriate song to get us ready, to be revolutionary, to be different and uh, uh, relate to one another uh, in the way God wants us to. Uh, we did uh, step away from this series last week for our Mission Sunday, so I do want to uh, remind us uh, what we're doing and where we're at, and if you haven't been with us, this will help you catch up. But uh, the title of this series is The One Another's More Than Just Sunday Clothes, and we are using this visual uh, to help us uh, get a word picture of what we're talking about. <clears throat> we're, we're looking at the the one another's, there's over 30 of them in the New Testament on relationships, and we're, we're viewing those one another's as <clears throat> items of clothing in our closet. And so on the right side, you see our closet is full. It's like God has given us all of these one another teachings so that we know how he would want us to relate to each other. And so they're hanging in our closet. They're available. Okay, And what we want is we want to get over to the left side where as we go out every day into the world, our closet is empty. There's nothing on our hangers because we are wearing all of those one another teachings and we are going out and practicing them in our relationships. Unfortunately, what happens a lot uh, among Christians is that we pick out a few of the one another teachings that are the easiest for us to practice, the ones we kind of enjoy practicing in our relationships. They're comfortable. But we leave in the closet, hanging on those hangers, a lot of the one another teachings that for some reason we don't care for. They're hard. Um, they're uncomfortable to practice. And they're no fun. And uh, what we have to get to is where we are willing every day to empty our closet and just go out there and wear. And we take this from the Bible saying, clothe yourself with these things. That's the concept that the Bible teaches. We're to clothe ourselves, wear these one another teachings. And so we've been talking about a few of them. We can't cover all 30-some in, in eight weeks. But we've talked about... Uh, Showing humility toward one another. We've talked about serving one another. We've talked about bearing with one another. And we talked about forgiving one another. That's one that gets left in the closet quite a bit uh, because that's hard. Um, but you know, God has been working through this. God has done some great things already um, as we've looked at this. So we're going to get back into the series today. 
if you would open your Bibles, I'll show you the three one another's that we're going to look at today, uh, starting in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2. One of the one another's we'll look at today is here, and then there are two of them in Romans 12. Let me show you the first one. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. So that's... One of the three we're going to look at today. Regard others as better than yourself. Consider one another as better than yourselves. We'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. But that's the first one we're going to look at today. Then in Romans chapter 12, we find the two others. Romans 12, verse 10. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. So the second one another we'll look at today is be devoted to one another. We want to see what that means. Be devoted to one another. And the third one today, honor one another above yourselves. So those are the three. We're going to talk about regarding one another as more important than ourselves. We're going to talk about being devoted to one another and honoring one another. And they all kind of go together. Uh, if, if we practice all three of these, we are doing a number on our egos, okay? And some of us have big egos, right? And uh, we're going to find that all three of these, in order to take them off the hanger and wear them, in our relationships, it's going to take um, a denying of self. It's going to take a, uh, a diminishing of our egos. It's going to take humility. But it's important. It's revolutionary to regard one another as more important, to honor one another, to be devoted to one another. So that's what we're going to do. Let's pray. <clears throat> our Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for good worship. Uh, Father, these songs that helped us to to just uh, uh, communicate to you and about you, and we just praise you for that, Lord. And Father, we ask that you would guide us now as we go into your word. These scriptures aren't hard to understand, Father. Uh, they're pretty clear to us. But Lord, sometimes they're so hard to practice. And you ask us to clothe ourselves with these things. They should be a part of us that we wear wherever we go. So... Motivate us in that direction, Father. Encourage us in that direction through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This week I found uh, on the Internet a list of the 50 weirdest names for towns in the United States. 50 weirdest names. I'm sure in your travels you've come upon some pretty weird names for towns. Um, I want to tell you what some of them are on the 
50 weirdest. Now, let's just get it taken care of. Number 23 is Embarrass, Minnesota. <laughs> we are number 23 on the weirdest names for towns. Let, let me tell you what some of the others are. Um, <clears throat> Uncertain, Texas. Panic, Pennsylvania. Discord, Tennessee. Nothing, Arizona. You are now entering nothing. Uh, nowhere, Colorado. So, you know, next time you go on vacation to Colorado and somebody asks, where are you going, just say nowhere. You know? <laughs> nowhere, Colorado. Uh, Friendship, Maine. They call that weird. That's kind of nice. Friendship, Maine. Accident, Maryland. Difficult, Tennessee. Ordinary, Kentucky. I like this one. Romance, Arkansas. Huh. How would you like to live in poverty, Kentucky? Or boring, Oregon. And of course, many of us know that there is a hell, Michigan. But my favorite in the 50 weirdest town names is why not North Carolina? Where do you live? Why not? Uh, but we made the list. I think that's pretty cool. We're number 23. Embarrass. Um, I, I want you to picture what it would sound like to live in you first, Minnesota. What if there was a town named you first and everybody in that town practiced their name? You first, Minnesota. Wouldn't that be a great town to live in if everyone in that town practiced what they were called? You first. We're going to talk about that today. You notice on your sheets that's the title of the message because really those three one another's we're going to look at are all about that. They're about putting others first, ahead of ourselves. You first. And I tell you what, that's not a message that we hear a lot these days. You first. Because I'm sure you've noticed that wherever you turn, the message has to do with self. And I just jotted down, we have self-help, self-care, self-image, self-esteem, self-love, self-promotion, self-sufficient, self-made, self-indulgent, self-interests, self-absorbed, self-identity. You can go on and on. Those are the messages that we're getting all around us. It's all about self, me, you know. Um, in fact, in First uh, Timothy chapter 3, uh, the first few verses, Paul talks about terrible things in the last days. And one of the things he puts in that list 
is that people will be lovers of self. Isn't that prophetic? Way back then, Paul says, in the last days, there will be terrible things. And one of them, he says, is people will be lovers of self. And the message today to us is what? Love yourself. There's even a song that says that's the greatest love, to love yourself. Paul says it's part of the terribleness of the last days, lovers of self. So we're going to talk about something revolutionary, putting others first, ahead of ourselves. Pretty revolutionary, isn't it? So let's go back to uh, Philippians and, and just look at these three one another's. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> what would it look like? <clears throat> now, I, I don't think they're going to let us change uh, our town's name from embarrassed to you first. So let's not even consider that. But what if a church could be called the You First Church? Now, that's a little more possible that a church could be called the You First Church. What would that look like? What would that church look like if they were living those words, You First, putting others first? That's what I want to have us think about. Now, here in Philippians 2, the first thing that Paul does is he actually brings up two enemies of being a you-first church. There are things that work against this. And he brings that up, two enemies of a you-first church. The first one, he says in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Selfish ambition would be an enemy of a you-first church, if that's the kind of church you want to be. Selfish ambition. Ambition in itself isn't a bad thing. You know, ambition is just a, a strong desire to move towards something, to work towards something. But notice he says an enemy of being a you-first church is selfish ambition. Ambition that is all about self. It's about me. Strongly desiring something and moving toward it for my benefit only, for me. Wealth, success, position, popularity, whatever. That's the enemy of being a you first church is selfish ambition. Selfish ambition says, I'm first. My ways, my desires, my needs, my ambitions, it's me. I am first. Which then makes everybody else in the back of the line. Because I'm first. And a lot of times when we're 
moving toward selfish ambition, we are leaving a trail of trampled people. And a lot of times it's our marriage partner. A lot of times it's our family. A lot of times it's friendships. A lot of times it's our relationship with God. Because we get so caught up in selfish ambition that it begins to raise havoc with these other relationships in our life. Because I'm first. I'm first. Selfish ambition. Uh, if you look in the dictionary, um, you, you'll find the idea of self-seeking. And I, I remember that in 1 Corinthians 13, you know that passage where Paul gives a list of the descriptions of godly love? Uh, you know that whole list in, in the love chapter? One of the things that describes this godly love is not self-seeking. You see, loving people and selfish ambition do not go together. Self-seeking. So it's an enemy of being a you-first church. The, the second enemy he, uh, he brings up, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So vain conceit would be um, the second enemy of a you-first church. Um, conceit, what's that? Well, conceit would be pride. That would be a synonym, conceit. Uh, in the old King James Version, and maybe somebody has one here, you'll notice in your Bible it says vainglory. Uh, conceit is the idea of drawing attention to yourself, wanting the glory. Whereas selfish ambition says, I'm first, vain conceit says, I'm better. And views himself or herself above everybody else. That's conceit. Wanting the glory. Wanting the attention. Thinking you're better for, for some reason. And, and Paul says it's vain conceit because conceit is always useless. It's always ineffective in the long run. It's always vain. Vain conceit. But it's an enemy. It gets in the way if you want to be a you-first church. So he takes care of the enemies of this, first of all. Selfish ambition. Vain conceit. Now, do you see why I said this is going to affect our egos? You see, the selfish ambition is about ego. The vain conceit is about ego. Let's see what he says next. Here's the alternative to selfish ambition, vain conceit. And it's our first one another today. Verse 3 again. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Notice, do nothing, nothing, nothing out of those things. But in humility... In humility, that's what it's going to take. 
regard others as better than yourselves. Wow. To that person who thinks they're better, who has that big ego, and you're better than everybody else, that vain conceit, the word is you need to humble yourselves and start regarding others as more important than you. And then he says, verse 4, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Again, the King James Version broadens that. It says, don't just look on your things, but also the things of others. So it's not just the interests, but it's the things. It's, it's their life. Don't just focus on your life and all the things in your life. But be concerned about the things of others, what's going on in their life. And that speaks to the person who has the selfish ambition. You know, you've got to think about others' interests, others' things, what's going on in their life, their needs, not just your own. Don't put yourself first. So that's revolutionary. And he goes on to say, in verse 5, have this attitude, what he just talked about, regarding others as more important, um, looking to the interests of others, not just your own. He says, have that attitude in yourselves, which was also in who? Jesus. This is a Christ-like thing here. And he goes on to talk about how Jesus practiced this. He regarded us as more important than himself. And he thought of our needs and interests and humbled himself. Didn't hang on to his divinity, but he took on the form of a, a human being, humbled himself, and came here and went to the cross. What was that about? He regarded us as more important than self. He put us first. Jesus was a you first person follow his ministry in the gospels he was a you first person and so paul says if you practice if you wear this one another regard others as more important than yourself you are going to be like jesus because that was jesus it was christ-like selflessness and for a church to be a you-first church, it's going to take that. That's the character quality of a you-first church. You will find there Christ-like selflessness. Let's go to Romans 12. Two other things you'll find in a you-first church. These two one-anothers in Romans 12. <clears throat> Verse 10, here's the next one another. This would be in a you-first church. He says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. What you would find in a you-first church, along with Christ-like selflessness, is family devotion. There's a family devotion in that kind of church. After all, we are family, right? 
We're, we're part of the family of God. Those of us who have come to salvation in Christ, we are part of the family of God. And so we are a local family of believers. And we are to have family devotion. That's the idea of this verse. It's family love, kindred love. The Bible talks about us being brothers and sisters, right? You know, Brother Brady, Brother Marlon. You know, we're in the family, right? And we are to have family devotion. We're to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And you think of family devotion, you know. Yeah, families don't get along sometimes. They disagree. But when it comes right down to it, they have each other's back. They care about each other. They're looking out for each other. Um, there's something special about family devotion, being devoted to each other, because you've got that common blood, and we've got the common blood, Right? Blood of Jesus. We're family. And in a you first church, you'll find this family devotion. You know? Where we're devoted to each other as brothers and sisters. But Paul also says that in the in the family, in the church, part of family devotion is um you respect the older ones like me. You know, you treat them like fathers and mothers. Uh, you listening? Yeah. Um, but why? He's using family terms, right? The older ones, you, you treat us like you would a father or a mother. There's that family devotion going on. And I've talked to a lot of you who uh, experience what I experience, is that it gets to the point where you feel a closer bond, a closer devotion to the church family than your own biological family. Especially those of us who maybe the biological family is a ways away. You don't get to see them that often. And it turns out you know more things that are going on in the life of your church family. And you feel a closer bond to them even than your own biological family. But we're family. That's the idea. And so, uh, in a you first church, you're going to see this family devotion that Paul talks about. Be devoted to one another. That's, a, that's hanging in our closet. We need to take it off the hanger and wear it in our relationships. We're family and we need to treat each other like family. Family devotion. Family love. The third thing that you'll find in a you first church is what Paul mentions next there in Romans 12. He says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, that family devotion. And then he says, honor one another. And here it is again, above yourselves. Honor one another. Above yourself. So there goes the ego again. Above yourself. What does it mean to honor somebody? It means you appreciate them. You value them. You respect them. You encourage them. You support them. Um, it's honor. And 
Honor isn't honor unless it's expressed, friends. Honor isn't honor unless through your speech and your actions, you're expressing it. The appreciation, the value, how you value somebody, your respect for them. And that's part of a you first church. You honor one another above yourself. And again, that, that does a number on selfish ambition and vain conceit. It's hard. It's hard to honor people if you want all the glory and honor. It's, it's hard to honor people if you want to be first or you think you're better. How are you going to honor other people? And so we need to push away those two enemies in order to be honoring one another and wear that in our daily lives. So, two enemies of a you-first church. Selfish ambition, vain conceit. They are a hindrance. We've got to deal with those. What a you-first church looks like? Christ-like selflessness. People regard one another as more important than themselves. Totally against our culture. In a you-first church, people practice family devotion. Because they are family. They treat each other like family. They have that kindred love. And a you first church practices intentional honor. Honoring each other doesn't just happen accidentally once in a while. You know, I hate that word random. The uh, Bible doesn't teach random kindness. It's just intentional kindness. The Bible doesn't teach random honor. It's intentional honor. It's part of you. It's part of your purpose is to honor each other. And that's a characteristic of a you-first church. So let's wear those, okay? Get them out of your closet, friends. Don't leave those three one another's hanging in the closet. Wear them every day. Take them off the hanger. Go out there and regard one another as more important than self. Go out there and practice family love, family devotion, and honor one another above yourself. Honor one another. For some of us, that's going to be more difficult. Because for some of us, we've been leaving those on the hanger in the closet because we know that it's going to have to take some... Uh, work on our egos, right? To put others first and see them as more important and, and concern ourselves with their interests and their needs. And it's gonna, it's gonna take some humility to, to, to really practice family devotion. It's gonna take a lot of humility to start honoring each other above ourselves and actually expressing that. And so, some of us leave the closet. All three of them, because it's so hard. Let's not leave them in the closet. Here, 
Three things as we close. I'm going to give you a question to answer, to think about, a warning, and a challenge. First, the question. Do you think that your church is a you-first church? Now, for many of you, you're going to have to think about our church here, okay? And uh, if you're visiting us and you're part of another church, you need to think about that concerning your church. Is your church a you-first church? Um, Do you see those character qualities? Christ-like selflessness, family devotion, intentional honor. And and be honest, I guess. I can risk saying that. Be honest. I'm not going to risk asking you to share your answer publicly right now, but really think about that the rest of the day. Is your church a you-first church based on what we just looked at? The warning as you do that. Do not focus on your expectations and the shortcomings of others. This has always been a problem and a risk of emphasizing the one another's in Scripture. We study them and it leads us to put expectations on other people. We expect them to practice these principles toward us. And when they don't, we focus on their shortcomings and their failures. And we become critical. So I warn you about that. Set aside your expectations and your focus on the shortcomings of others when it comes to the one another teachings. And in this case, being a you-first church. Watch out for that. It's not going to help anything to have all these expectations and then focus on the shortcomings when people don't meet your expectations. Be careful about that. And third, a challenge as we go. Do what is necessary for, you might want to underline this, for you to be a you-first person. Because guess what? Churches are made up of people. And whatever characterizes the people will ultimately characterize that church. So if enough of the people in a church are you-first people, they're practicing these principles, then that church corporately will tend to have that character, a you-first church. So when we think about this, we must think personally. Am I a you-first person? Do I wear these three, one another's, in my relationships? Do I practice Christ-like selflessness? Do I practice family devotion? Do I practice intentional honor toward others? That's where we need to think. You know? Um, so do whatever's necessary to be a you first person. Pray about it. 
Pray about it. God, am I that kind of person? Show me. Do I need to change? Does something need to be readjusted in my life? Pray about it. Um, Evaluate your own life and your relationships. And then pray about it. And then if you need to, repent. Repent of that big ego. Repent of the selfish ambition. Repent of being a me-first person. Repent of the vain conceit. And then pray. And then start taking action. Start actually practicing these one another's, these three, in your relationships. It's revolutionary, I know. It, it's humbling. But practice them. Take action in your speech and your, your, your actions. And, and then pray. Notice the pattern? Pray, pray, pray that you will become a you-first person because that will help your church become a you-first church. And it's revolutionary. What an impact it will make. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask that you would help us um, as we evaluate these things, as we think of ourselves, are we you first people? Father, if, if we have to confess that we put ourselves first ahead of others, it's always about me. If we have to confess that that we're pretty proud, we think we're better than most people and they should honor us and they should bring glory to us. Um, Father, just bring us to the point of repentance before you and show us how to start taking action and being different. Because, Father, we want to be you first people so that we can be a you first church. And may that end up being a great witness in our communities, a great testimony toward those who don't know you, who don't know what the church is supposed to be and what it's all about. And may it bring glory to you, not to us, because we are you first people. Help us. In Christ's name, amen.